Hi. Hello. Oh, now we're on um, a napkin. <laughs> Our microphone's on a napkin. A stack of napkins. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. Stack of napkins. A stack of napkins. Anyway, hello. hello. Uh, we are, this is an exciting day. We're starting a new series. It is. It's been we're, a long we're time previewing since we a new series. A new series. Um, well, I mean, Advent was a new series, but I don't think of it the same. It place, doesn't so. count. No, uh, a new sermon series that's not Advent. Um, because we were in Luke for a long time. And yet we're still sort of in Luke. This is, you know, we're looking at Luke volume two in the book of Acts as he continues his story of what happened. We skipped um, John. <laughs> well, yeah, John was written much later and, and doesn't follow the same pattern. So as we look at the synoptic gospels, the three gospels that are basically a synopsis of Christ's uh, earthly ministry, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they all have a similar approach in that they're they're saying what Jesus did and they're presenting him in, in that sense. John's is a different approach and was written later. Uh, we think Mark's was the first. <clears throat> so Mark uh, presents the man Jesus as uh, as a servant. Um, he he demonstrates his deity and his humanity, but it's very action packed. It's through the eyes of Peter that that John Mark is writing this book. Uh, and many people think that uh, that Matthew and Luke both drew from uh, mm-hmm. from Mark as a source. I think that's that's logical. It, it makes sense. Uh, it doesn't negate anything from from the rest of the things. That, and so Matthew then presents Jesus the King, and and he's writing to a Jewish audience from a Jewish perspective, and focuses heavily on the fulfilled prophecies. Um, Luke is the only Gentile writer of Scripture, and we've talked about that at, at length. Mm-hmm. Um, he went and did his personal investigation. And he interviewed people and uh, used uh, Mark and probably Matthew as well as source material, talked talk to individuals who would have actually been eyewitnesses of Christ when Luke was not. Uh, he was a convert later. John has a different approach. So while they're, they're approaching it that way, John writes almost, uh, there's almost a devotional aspect to it Maybe I'm overstating it by saying that, uh, but he focuses really heavily on the deity of Christ, which I always find interesting, because John was, uh, of all human people, was the most uh, directly close to Jesus, the the best friend, so to speak. He um, even refers to himself. He doesn't refer to himself by name, but as the as the disciple Jesus loved, and so John, often called John the Beloved. John the Evangelist, John the Revelator, also wrote uh, the book of Revelation in his letters. Yeah, he had many of his nicknames in high school. But uh, as John uh, wrote, you would think the person that knows him most in his humanity would see that humanity most fully. And yet John, who is with him, you know, morning and night, you know, they're together all the time, most profoundly brings out his deity and so I, I always find that to be interesting because you know the the people that know me best see more of my flaws you know they're going right. to see more yeah. of my warts right. Jesus didn't have any right <laughs> so right. so the better you know him the more you realize this cat's God yeah. this isn't this isn't just some guy it's not just some teacher some prophet he's God so when Luke tells his story he's seeing all of all of these things, all the doctrines are already in place by the time he's writing this stuff out. Um, so his, you know, the the, um, the he's a compatriot of Paul, and so as 
as the gospel is spreading. Luke's there. He's getting all of this teaching. He's seeing it. John uh, later on brings this into his gospel. But as Luke writes what, what we call the gospel of Luke <clears throat> to his friend Theophilus and explains this, this orderly account of what happened in Jesus' ministry, his purpose was so that we could know the foundation of our faith. We could really uh, know the, the, the veracity, the truthfulness the, uh, of what's being passed on. So now in the book of Acts, he starts out uh, by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Interesting that he says began to do and to teach since he wraps up with Jesus being crucified, resurrected, and raised into heaven. But he says all that he began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Oops, let me say that again. He was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. I had the emphasis on the wrong syllables. Um, After his suffering, in verse 3, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to to describe, uh, again, his ascension, which he's already done at the end of Luke. Now he's doing it again, uh, sort of a recap, bridging from volume 1 into volume 2. And in this recalling of it, uh, Jesus, he, he actually shares the instructions that Jesus gives to the apostles that are there, the disciples that are gathered, which would include the the apostles. And in this, we see really what what is essentially the the theme verse of the entire book uh, in Acts 1.8. He says, well, to back up so we understand what um, what 1.8 is talking about, verse 6 when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what they'd been waiting for in Messiah. They have gotten to a place now where they recognize it's not going on their timeline. Jesus did not come to ascend the throne in Jerusalem and kick out the Romans. Uh, he had to suffer and he died in their place. So now he's done that. Now he's resurrected. He's walking around with them. Okay, so now is it time? You know, are, <laughs> We've been waiting all right, these years. Are, right. you, are you coming to do this now? Uh, Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So that's kind of, a, kind of a big deal. He's not saying no. He's saying that's not really your thing, right. which is a pretty good devotional application for all of us. Get out of your timeline. Let God do his thing in his timeline because he's going to anyway. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about that once or twice. Quite a bit. And then that leads into this, what I would consider the theme verse of, of the entire uh, book of acts but you will receive power big big theme there power when the holy spirit another big theme comes on you and you'll be my witnesses big theme in jerusalem and all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth which i think is also a big theme we see that play out it's big themes some big themes so you're capturing really the essence of what happens in the book of acts Mm -hmm. which is like uh you know when jesus it's done all his earthly ministry, and he leaves. He's, in a sense, passing the baton, right? He's saying, Here's, I'm going to build my church, as he said to, to Peter uh, earlier. I'm going to build my church here through you guys. And I don't need a bunch of salespeople. I don't need you to, to you know, work up some magic scheme like we try to do so often today in the modern church with our seeker-driven services and mm-hmm. so on. And you know, If we have the best coffee bar, then people are going to come to church, and that's what we want, right? I do have pumpkin spice lattes for you. 
But that's not right. in any way right. what we're seeing here in the book of Acts. Instead, what we're seeing is people who are so dramatically changed in their own personal life that they can't see the world through any other lens ever again. Mm. I can never again look at my life and think that the things that were important before I was in Christ are still important in the same way. And you can't not share that. Right. So from here on out, from chapter 2 out, once the Holy Spirit comes on them in the upper room at Pentecost in chapter 2, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, from that moment on, they can't shut up. I mean, it's it doesn't matter what happens to them. It doesn't matter what that the hearts. That should be the title of the sermon series. There you go. We've been they working on. They how can't we shut up. This. They can't shut up. So, uh, they, and they really can't. Right. So, no matter what happens, no matter who tries to stop it, it, it is this unstoppable force. It just it just charging through everything, starting in Jerusalem, as Jesus told them to remain here until you receive the gift. The Holy Spirit comes on them in Jerusalem, and it begins to spread as they go out to their hometowns in the in the region. Then the, the gospel is spreading, and as that gets beyond that, largely by being rejected from the people at home, and that's mm-hmm. a big thing for Paul later on, about you know midway through the book, or a little later than midway through the book. Um, Paul, having worked really hard to bring the gospel to his own people, the Jews, and finding this rejection, is like, hey, I'm I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm wiping the dust off my feet. You don't want it. You've clearly rejected it, taking it to the Gentiles. And he goes out, and it's the same thing. If you're going to try and shut it up, it doesn't matter. This, the, the dam is broken. The floodwaters are out. You can't stop this. Mm-hmm. And another great sermon series theme. Can't you can't stop this. this. We'll have the Andy Minio song as our, as our opening song on Sunday. Um, but you really can't. It's different it's, from Can't Touch This. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, it got hammer pants in my head now. It's hammer time. Um, so as we're going through this whole book, it's less of, I mean, there is, an, there is a deliberate planned mission effort. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really appear to be the focus of the book. The focus of the book, as you and I were talking about before we started up, is that changed people change people. So as... As Jesus impacted these individuals, the individuals become a light mm-hmm. in the darkness to those around them. Would you say they radiate? And it radiates <laughs> out from there. And so this impact that they have it is like like this explosion. I mean, if you can kind of picture this nuclear explosion, those mushroom cloud pictures that, that we used to see. Usually not a great thing. No, but, but it just kind of <laughs> right. happens, right. and then it spreads. Right. And you have yeah. this kind of shock wave that goes across the the whole known world at that point. And so as we go through, uh, as we have this this like spreading flame, I think some, I think probably Swindoll called it that, there's this wildfire effect that you know, it just kind of um, keeps on going and it consumes everything in its path until eventually Christianity spreads around the whole world. And, and that's what Jesus told him was gonna happen. And, and <clears throat> in the very last chapter of the book, we find that, uh, I don't know how much time we got. Oh, we're, we're already. already. Big surprise. Yeah, big shocker. We don't have Rob here to keep right, us to on track. Right, to keep us under control. So, Rob Nash, if you happen to hear we're this, unleashed. thank you for getting us on track. But, you know, in, <laughs> it lasted long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. So uh, then in Acts uh, chapter 28, um, Paul and his compatriots are, <laughs> when I say compatriots, what I actually mean is his 
uh, the the soldiers who are you taking just, him to Rome. You just wanted to say compatriots. I did again as many times as I can. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they're shipwrecked and they're on the island of Malta, and uh, they they're gathered around this fire, and the natives are, are there and they see him and, and Paul gets bitten by a snake, and they're like, this dude must be some kind of some kind of a villain, a murderer or something, mm-hmm. because bad things keep happening to him, and so that's how it works, right? Karma, right, I guess. Right. So <clears throat> he's obviously uh, a wicked man. Um, but then Paul shakes the snake off into the fire, suffers no ill effects. Uh, so And they're like, ooh. They're like, oh, wow. Well, I guess maybe he's a god. <laughs> right. He went from murderer to god. Right. Uh, and it gave him a, an opportunity to be able to talk to them about the gospel, to have these conversations. And that's the kind of thing that happens throughout the entire book. Because of the Holy Spirit in them, and the change that has been wrought by Christ, now everything that happens just becomes a platform for ministry. So it doesn't matter if you're being stoned to death like Stephen or you're being bitten by a snake like Paul here after being shipwrecked, beaten and left for dead, stoned and left for dead, you know, all these things that, that happened to him. He, he, I mean, he's taking the gospel to Rome because in his arrest, he appealed for a higher judgment from right. Caesar. He right. had that right as a, as a Roman citizen. So God orchestrated things through the bad things to be able to do the ultimate good thing, the best thing, in taking the gospel in, even into Europe. He's done all of this by his sovereignty. And that's really what we see in the book of Acts is God actively, sovereignly working through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit in every circumstance, good, bad, and indifferent, to build his church, and that that's Acts in a nutshell. That's Acts in a nutshell. That's going to be our jumping off point, so we hope you'll stick with us through this series. If you don't attend Real Life, we're going to be you know going through it on the podcast as well, so uh, maybe we'll have more guests <laughs> to talk about. There you go, and then we'll be on time. Then we'll be on time. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>